0: Hi, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to the Who the Fuck podcast. Inquisitive, authentic, unapologetic. A safe space for self-exploration, questioning the status quo, and finding out who the fuck you are. Hey gang, thanks for joining us for the latest episode of the Who the Fuck podcast. Our guest today is Daniela Modesto, and Daniela is married to my wife's cousin, so we met a few years ago back at Thanksgiving at her in-laws. It had been some time since we were last together in person, but when I followed Daniela's blog, Calm Eats, Gluten and Dairy-Free Living Made Easy, which details her personal journey about how changing her diet reignited her creativity for cooking and has helped her rediscover herself. I knew I had to ask her to be a guest on the show. And in case you missed it, we've launched Who The Fuck For a Cause, which is also allowing each of our guests to provide a charitable cause that they would like listeners to support. So, Daniela's episode today is supporting Feeding America to help families in need. Be sure to check out who the fck.com/donate after the show and support the cause if you can. Now, Daniela, why don't you share a little about yourself with the listeners before we get started
1: all right so hi thank you so much for having me it really is an honor to be on your podcast i love that you're doing this and i love the the inspiration and feeling and emotion behind it so i have a blog called calm eats and um, my focus is to help people uh, live gluten and dairy free without having to worry without stress and just make life normal Um, my background is I'm Romanian I'm from Romania I also spent some time in Germany and I learned to cook from scratch and um, that's been really sort of the driving force behind this, eating real food, getting back to my roots and really getting in touch with my body and my mind.
0: One of the things that you said and and why you got into this is you've been super vulnerable with your readers on your blog about how your journey began following a disruption to both your physical and your mental health. So what inspired you to look at cooking as part of your healing process?
1: Well, to me, cooking was always grounding, but I didn't really associate what cooking real food from scratch can do to the mind and the body. So it was honestly just that transition to getting rid of all the processed food, just breaking things down, bringing them back to my roots and seeing how I can make a difference. And, And really through food and paying attention to what I put in my body, I was able to then move into a very different direction with my life completely when did you actually start cooking all right so my first adventure in cooking was actually when i was nine i attempted to make fried eggs and needless to say the oil that i used was no longer in the pan by the end of it it was all over the floor it was a disaster but by 11 i managed to make a vegetable soup and it was edible and that was pretty cool but Like in my adult years after I left, I started cooking when I was living in New York in my 20s after college. But really cooking like from scratch more or less was probably around 2007 2008 so ever since then i've just been in the kitchen
0: i love to cook but i certainly don't have the diligence that you're describing you know i think there's a lot of focus and energy that goes into that when you go through the process what is it like for you as far as kind of identifying the recipes that you want to try or you know what you actually want to share with your readers
1: a lot of it is honestly how i started cooking is looking at some of the things that i've made prior to going gluten dairy-free. And then I kept thinking, how can I eliminate some of the things that you know, I can no longer have? What can I add in? And I just feel really inspired when I'm at the market and I see certain ingredients and it just starts usually with one thing. And then I'm like, all right, how can I work around this and make it into something? So then it's sort of like layer upon layer. It just sort of feeds off of that one ingredient or a few ingredients, and that's sort of how the, the creative spark happens. And of course, I'm on social media looking at food a lot. Right. So when I you know, Instagram, like <laughs> full of something, I'm like, okay, I need to make this. I have or, or like a version of it or something, you know. So it's really being on Instagram is is inspiring. But at the end of the day, I just look at making really simple food that I can share with the audience. It, they can make because i'm a mom i'm busy so i i don't want to over complicate things
0: oh because you you have young children right they're both uh, how old are they now, actually? Um, they
1: will be four and seven.
0: OK, so, I mean, that in and of itself, you also work a full time job. What actually prompted you to go beyond the kitchen and take your passion for cooking to the page?
1: Ironically enough, I was thinking about this in anticipation of our interview. Today is actually three years since I started going gluten and dairy free.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you weren't, you know, you weren't gluten and dairy free when we met. because It must have been, I think, probably seven years ago now that I'm like
1: really thinking about it exactly exactly so it was really after in 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 2017 are we 2020 yeah 2017 that this whole thing started for me and after about a month of being gluten and dairy free I noticed such a difference and I was so excited about it and I I really wanted to share this with an audience I had not I knew nothing about blogs I I mean I had known some recipe blogs but I just wanted to like tell people this is how you can change your life. And I was so passionate about it that I, I needed a platform to express this. I didn't even know what it was going to become.
0: When I went through the process of blogging for almost a year and it was intermittent and I think like you had that experience too it was a little bit more sporadic and then you had to sort of make this commitment to yourself like I'm actually gonna do this I'm going to go towards what I care about because this actually makes me happy at the root of all of it there is this connectivity about you know why you're doing what you're doing it's for you but it's also for other people do you find yourself trying to educate your family on this stuff as you've been going through the process? Or are they like, mom, stop. I just like, give you me dinner. Know,
1: there, There is a certain element to everything I approach and I try to impart my love of food and I don't try to make it like a diet because it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle and it's, it's eating well. Sorry to
0: interject, but I love that you just said that you want to impart your knowledge on it because I think it's really, it's, it's a less um, stringent way of thinking about it. And I do agree with the lifestyle approach. Go on. But I just want to say, I love that way that you think about it with your kids, imparting your knowledge on them. Yes.
1: And I just, you know, I don't want them to feel like they're missing out on things because I they can have snacks and, you know, certain processed foods, but we just try not to have a lot of things like I don't need to have soda or other things in the house. And I, I do try to say, you know, this isn't necessarily bad. But your body is happier with water and with milk and, you know, things like that, like making it not and like not spinning it in a negative way, but rather in a positive way. Like, what well, can we have that's really good for us?
0: You know, I like that idea of communicating it to them on a level that they understand that gives them open mindedness as well. There are a lot of opinions on varied Lifestyles that is particularly those around what type of food people consume, right? Like everybody has an opinion on somebody else's diet.
1: And I really want to be very careful about that because I, the way I approach things. It's never from a lactant point. I'm not missing out on bread or cheese or all these other things because I bring in so many good things into my diet and my life that that doesn't feel like a piece that's missing. And I don't feel like deprived ever. I think
0: speaking to people like yourself, I have some friends who are vegan as well. And not that they're comparable in the sense of like where your restrictions lie. But I also think that there's always like a stigma if you're making a choice like that and sometimes it's a choice out of necessity and sometimes it's a choice out of just your own You know, what is it that you care about and what is it that you want to do? It's really great to be knowledgeable about it. I think it's important that people understand where you're coming from and why you're doing it. And you have a much nobler uh, mission behind it, too, which is you want to help other people understand how they can be healthier and not imposing it on people as, you know, I think some some tend to do that. I mean, it happens with a lot of things, right? It's like CrossFit veganism. People just feel like if if they do it, if they do it, then they're just going to come after you and expect you to do it. tell you all the reasons why you should and in reality it's like just educate yourself so you can make the choice for yourself and so while at this moment in time i'm not going to necessarily remove xyz things from my diet i'm educated on why maybe i'll eat less of it i mean i certainly think these types of conversations inspire me to have a different approach to what i eat and what i consume and last night i was actually it was funny because you said when we started the call that like i looked healthy and i was like oh that's nice i don't actually think i am because i have been <laughs> eating so much crap the last couple of days like i am a five-year-old when it comes to candy i'm like I need gummy something all the time. And so I was like eating gummy worms and like mini Charleston shoes as I was writing our outline for our call. And I was like, this is really sacrilegious right now. <laughs> like, this is like exactly <laughs> what I shouldn't be doing leading into this conversation. But, you know, it's also that authentic thing where I was like, I wonder, do you have a vice that you're like, I didn't give this thing up? Yes,
1: absolutely chocolate. I mean, hands down chocolate. The brand that I get um, is allergy friendly. So it doesn't have any soy, any dairy or any gluten. So it's really nice. And I do love dark chocolate chips. They're they're seriously my vice. And I also yeah. popcorn. I really, I will admit, I, I am not flawless when <laughs> I've come home from work and parked myself scrolling through Instagram and eating popcorn right out of the bag. And then I was like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Half the bag now. So no, I am not perfect by any means. I have my moments.
0: Like you said, I mean we all have our vices. Food is definitely a comfort, right? It's really cool to look at your blog and your story because you've also, you know, there are a lot of interconnected layers that arise from your story. Your passion for cooking and photography are totally at the forefront. I mean, from the aesthetic perspective i i love the look of your blog i love the way your photos come across you have such a poignant perspective when you look at the color contrasts in your photos it's just it's really beautiful i mean your blog is literally like instagram gold you're doing so many of those things that really capture people's eyes but the mental health and the physical wellness which are the primary focus of your posts are also I mean, much bigger than that. So you can draw people in with the food and the imagery of the food, which is, you know, magnetic, but then you also have this opportunity to remove the stigma around mental health and promote body positivity. Do you see it that way as well?
1: I do. And that is honestly why I got into this in the first place. Photography was sort of a, um, something that came as a result of it. I'd never use a camera in, in this way. I, I had no idea how to... That's really crazy. Understand. I mean, you've
0: done a really good job of teaching yourself <laughs> that. You. I mean, it's really professional quality stuff. I, I love seeing it because it's something that really has some power especially because you can look at your photographs of your food and if somebody didn't know this is gluten and dairy free you've already drawn them in and now they might be like oh well you know what that's okay like
1: i'll give it a try it still looks really good exactly why but you know as 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 i started this my whole point was that i wanted to find equilibrium in my mind and my body and i started through food, I wanted to get to a point where I could lower my stress because I was sick. I was really sick because of eating gluten and dairy. So I was always stressed. My My body was off and it affected my mind and vice versa. So cleaning up my diet has allowed me to sort of take a breath and really focus on the important things, kind of like energetically food fuels us and kind of cleans up your mental state. When I started this, it was mental health was the most important thing to me because highly processed foods can really impact anxiety, can impact depression. Um, I know a lot of people say that's bullshit, but I do believe that when we eat a certain way, it can mess with your moods, affect your hormones. So, you know, stepping back and looking at what you're consuming and how it is affecting your mental health is huge. And I'm also very open about... Not being shy and saying I struggle with these components in my own life. You know I'm I'm flawed. I think we all have that. You have a lot
0: of exposure here about why you did what you did, being related to your mental health and your well being. Um, you know you had mentioned being really sick physically because of your diet. What kind of symptoms were you experiencing physically that were sort of the red flags for you?
1: So the symptoms physically were really just like bloating pain, discomfort, um tiredness just feeling off in my body at all times and that in turn really affected my mental health because i was depressed i was upset i felt like why can't i get my body to just function like a normal person's you know people can eat pizza and and i didn't even realize it's at this point yeah i was going to ask how did you get to the point where you were sort of like i'm
0: going to start exploring my diet as a way of trying to remedy this
1: It was funny because I had been from doctor to doctor. Nobody, everybody was like, you're fine. I don't see any symptoms. Test after test. Everything's fine. You're great. You're in great health.
0: Did they do like allergy tests and things like that as well?
1: Everything. Yes. No, no, no obvious, you know. Nothing on paper. So it was honestly on my drive home listening to a podcast. A, I used to list, used to listen to like health podcasts. And this one talked about, this doctor talked about gluten and dairy and their effects. And I was like, it was one of those moments where you're like, okay, I think this might have something to do with this. And that day I decided I'm going to go gluten and dairy free. This you just is went cold it. turkey. Cold turkey. The next day I was like, I'm starting my new life right now. Seriously.
0: You have a lot more, you have a lot more motivation (laughs) than I do. I'd be like, I'll do it in a couple of months. And then I'm like, wait a second.
1: You know, it was I had gotten to a point where it was so bad. I was willing to try anything.
0: Yeah. And as soon as possible.
1: Yeah. As soon as possible. So to me, it was like, if I can do this through food, what do i have to lose i'm already in such a bad place like there's nowhere to go but up yeah that's you
0: know? a, yeah no i that's a really fair point 100% that's absolutely accurate because the thing i think is really interesting is just how immediate the need becomes to try to find upward trajectory because i've been there um where you're talking about from an emotional state i mean life is life right we're adults i was thinking last night about how crazy all of the stuff that's happening in the world right now is and thinking about how lucky we are that we live where we do right now and thinking about my friends and their friends and family and the fact that I, the more I really looked at adulthood through like the lens of the people that I know is we feel like we're in a silo. We feel like everything's happening to us and only us when there's so many big factors that we feel the weight of. When you're depressed or having a lot of anxiety, you feel sort of like you're walled in and it's all relative to your experience and when you open up your mind and sort of start to look at how other people are going through things also they're not necessarily the same circumstances they may not even be similar circumstances but those feelings of isolation and strain and stress and pressure and fear are an, an anger for me for sure like my anxiety definitely like ramps up my rage 100 <laughs> if you take a step back and say you know what can i do to help me kind of break down these walls and open myself up to possibility you do start to move at a much different pace and it sounds like for you food was that gateway you noted that eating well coupled with mindfulness has the power to transform you have that on your website and i love that and i pulled that out because i just thought that's exactly what you want to be thinking. That's the mindset we should have. So can you talk to me about how that transformation has occurred for you? Like once you made that choice, it
1: was, and the reason why I named the blog calm eats, it sort of came to me almost like by osmosis because I've been so interested in mindfulness and and meditation and that component of life is so busy and loud and the world is really loud. And there are so many opinions coming at you. And when you just get really quiet and just pay attention to your environment and what's in front of you and you cook food mindfully and you eat food mindfully that should be enough for so like you just start with that it
0: puts you in the present because I mean you have to be right like you can't be 10 steps ahead when you're cooking you get the recipe wrong
1: (laughs) exactly yes which of course has happened to all of us It's a point yeah, i think that's literally like, how it. i cook holly's
0: like how long do you keep that in the oven for and i'm like i don't know i just eyeball it and she's like i this is why you have to make food because you tell me well can you make dinner and then i ask you how to do it and you're like i just guess <laughs> <laughs> is that is that not good for you do you not know like how long i wait until i check on it okay I guess I'll make dinner. (laughs) She should just start timing me when I go into the kitchen and when I leave again, I'll be like, grab your stopwatch.
1: Totally. Totally. But no, for me, it's just the feeling of, you know, especially people who suffer with with food sensitivities, there, there, a lot of it really is interconnected stress and anxiety sort of, they feed one another. So it's, it's a double, it's, it's like two sides of the same coin, if you will. So when you- Quiet the mind, you quiet the body. And when you quiet the body, you quiet the mind. So even though it's all one thing, but oftentimes we know we look at it as like the mind being separate from the body. But really they're interconnected. So when you're able to, you know, slow down the body, slow down the mind, you sort of have this the synchronicity and this just flow and that just works.
0: And it's it's not easy to do. That's why I really admire it, because I for me i don't have the discipline at this juncture and i think what's hard is you know there's a part of me that wants to and understands the benefits of it and then there's the anxious stressed side of me that is like that's not what you need to prioritize right now and that's sort of such a it's that is the problem. To your point, you just commit to it and then kind of let the rest of it follow. Coming out of this conversation, it's like all that stuff that's in the fridge that's fresh and that I've been avoiding for the past like two days, like, just eat it, Nikki. Just like you bought it with good intentions, just like actually make something. Thinking of it as a time to be present and be more intentional and collective of my thoughts and how to move forward. And honestly, even cooking together is a really wonderful thing that gives you a moment of pause with your significant an other or with your children as well do they ever cook with you or do you try to keep them out of the kitchen
1: <laughs> well it's, it's it's both most of the time i'm just happy to be hanging out in the kitchen with a glass of wine and doing my thing because it's like my thing yeah but also when i'm when i'm cooking with especially my daughter she loves to pull up a step stool and she likes to help and so that's really rewarding and they both will pitch in you know once in a while but it i do, i am territorial i will say i'm territorial over my kids i have I'm to like, say is that like it's a, is
0: that like an unspoken mom rule though because i swear I like so. it my parents were in seattle for thanksgiving a couple years ago and my mom was like I mean you just like don't get into the kitchen I was Holly's like can I help and I was like back off the beast is out get the hell out of there like you see my dad and (laughs) I over here fixing this thing find somewhere else to be lady it's not gonna help I know that you think you're being a good daughter-in-law she's actually docking you points for this
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's so true it's so true I'd rather handle all of it even when it's like You know, overwhelming. At least I know my flow and I know my way around. So yes, it's just, yeah, I am. I am. I flow well when I'm in there just doing my thing. I love it. I love that
0: idea of flow. And and you mentioned equilibrium before too. And I think that that concept of physical flow aligns a lot with where your mental state is too, right?
1: And you know, it's really funny that you mentioned that because I really feel like happiness and and joy is really captured in those in-between moments, in those little tiny moments where you're like looking at this beautiful, I don't know bunch of dill or something and I know I get made fun of this all the time for my obsession with ingredients but it really is it's in those moments of appreciation of like this is so beautiful I'm going to make something with this it's just pausing and appreciating and then I feel like your food is different when you put that kind of intention into it and it's it's that kind of relationship that I have with with, I think with cooking uh, not every day is like this. And I just want to put it out there. I can be an anxious, stressed mess when I come home from work. You know, things happen. Life is life. I yell at my kids, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> my husband. Like, things are crazy. But it's it's some moments you really just get excited by these tiny, precious moments that I feel like fuel life. when you speak about
0: you know looking at ingredients and pausing and appreciating that it's sort of like when i go outside and spring is is starting to bloom and you see a lone daffodil and you're like oh my gosh the world's alive. That's another thing that you do a really good job of with your aesthetic component of your brand is you holding like a bunch of really bright red beats. It really resonates because it really showcases that intention behind it and it showcases your love of it because you're you're putting it forward in a way that mirrors the lens you're looking through. So on that note, which ingredients that you use do you feel benefit mental health the most?
1: So for me, I feel that Ingredients that can balance your blood sugar most and keep you steady are really beneficial. So I love using salmon, olive oil, avocados. Um, I like using greens whenever possible, blueberries, antioxidants, like good for you
0: to your point berries in general too for me like we had raspberry bushes growing up as a kid and um one of the things that made me so excited when we moved into the house that we're in now is and i can actually look out on it right now they have raised garden beds was when we were touring the house the owner said Oh, you can't see it right now because it was dark out. But we have—we um, actually have a lot of raspberry bushes here that'll grow. And I looked at Holly and I was like, oh my God, it's so nostalgic. Getting you know my dad's old work shirts on and going down to the raspberry bushes to pick with our colanders. And so to your point about how food and, and psychology work together, do you grow or pick your own ingredients as a form of catharsis?
1: I do grow in the summertime. I do have two beds and I'm actually composting this week as so we're stuck inside and I'm using this as an excuse to start composting and really paying attention. And so I'm looking forward to just having nice soil and growing my food. I really like planting things that I use in my day-to-day cooking. So lettuce, huge, I, I like to have salads every day. I have beans, radishes, tomatoes, peppers, and also, Carrots. Carrots don't come until like fall time, but still I like growing them just because it's so rewarding at the end to pick them. But I love having lettuce and beans that kind of you're always just getting production pretty much all summer long. So it's really nice having those. My first experience experience was growing squash and i decided that was not a good idea because it sort of took over everything
0: i was gonna say those will literally just like your entire yard will become squash and it will be years later and you'll be like why where did this come from so on that note what is your favorite meal to make and is it one that soothes your body and your
1: mind there are probably a few that i make on a regular basis but i like i do like making soups a lot they're really nourishing i find that eating cooked vegetables is especially in soups is really good for digestion and it sort of feeds every part of you, you know, it hydrates and, and just provides a lot of nutrients. But also I love making curries. I'm a huge fan of curries. I like Thai curries and Indian curries. So those flavors are something that I make quite often. Um, one of my favorites is a a chicken tikka masala i mean that's like
0: that's like my my go-to which i feel like is maybe a little bit basic in the sense of like yeah of course that's the indian food you're eating Of course, course. because i can't handle the heat completely
1: completely and also i try to make these recipes you know that that my children would eat because that's what i was going to ask
0: too is will they eat curry
1: they do. They do like curry a lot. And also another one is a mung bean curry that I like with cauliflower. And that's just so, again, so easy on digestion. It's vegan. And so it kind of is the best of all worlds.
0: Yeah, you know, that because, sounds like it. And I
1: try to keep the spice down because of them. Sometimes I push it, but then I get pushed back. So Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that's a good way of describing it. Well, because that's the other thing too, right? Is, I mean, how, when you're cooking, how much does a factor like that like spice play into the gut health side of it because I there's to my knowledge and you can correct me if I'm wrong in certain cases spice can be helpful in terms of digestion and then there's also the something like that would create an ulcer or have, um, you know, acid indigestion, things like that, that are more problematic. So is it sort of like about finding your own personal balance?
1: For sure. I mean, I like using a lot of turmeric and ginger and garlic and cumin, coriander, cardamom. I like these spices that are really flavorful, really mild, really antioxidant rich, but they're not necessarily going to be heat forward. So you're really keeping the heat down, but the flavor is is really nice and intense. And I like flavor and spice in pretty much everything I do. Like when I roast vegetables, there's probably cumin and oregano and, chili powder and paprika and smoked paprika it's just like a lot of intensity in my food i
0: like that that's that's such a good description of it intensity in your food what you said is that they're not heat forward and i i love that as a concept as well it's a great way to describe it that as somebody who doesn't cook with a lot of spices it resonates with me in particularly because i when i do cook with spices they are not heat forward spices uh, i'm a good italian girl and i enjoy you know my my herbs um, and all of that good stuff, you know, the oregano, the basil, the rosemary, you know, just whatever we can grow in our gardens, tomatoes, (laughs) um, lots of tomatoes. And so I think that it's really interesting to see how you can adapt certain cooking styles to fit your lifestyle and also your, your blog's brand, which is about focusing on, you know, what is it that's going to keep your yourself healthy, but also give you not only the nutrients, but the enjoyment that you need and deserve out of food because it is there is solace in eating a home-cooked meal and feeling you know it's not just about that present moment of making it but it's also about when you sit down to actually appreciate what you've done do you get excited when you've finished a recipe uh, and then you get to enjoy it
1: Uh, well honestly it's like you feel so vulnerable and raw in that moment because you've just made something that you put so much energy and passion into. And then it's like you push the button when you share it with the world. And it could be criticized in whatever way. You know, like you like it, your family likes it. But then once you put it into the world, it is for the world to decide. So it's a really, it really is, it feels very vulnerable. But it's also really rewarding because I... When I feel good about something and I make it with intention and I try to make it simple enough and flavorful, and then I feel pretty good about it and I don't really have hesitation and it's just done. It's out there. And yeah, the rest is out of my hands. (laughs) You
0: know, nuance excluded. I think that I have very similar fears, um, you know, for putting anything out there as an episode or even wanting to do things that are more independent and thoughtful and say, hey, it's not gonna be a full episode of just me talking. I'm just gonna ramble for five minutes and you guys can take those little little bites and decide what to do with them. But there is this pressure of, the process is so enjoyable and so creative. Like what we're doing right now is what I live for, but I get so much anxiety leading up to it because i have this fear of okay i know that i can talk to somebody it's like literally all i do so (laughs) i think it's like i've got that down but how will the engagement be great i i think the people that i've had on thus far and i think people have on in the future the conversations flow um that might not always be the case sort of like with a recipe right like it sometimes it falls flat sometimes it needs a little boost but i think that you know, that fear of putting it out there once you've completed it, once you've compiled it, you have that pause, that hesitation, that fear, like what's going to happen? What will people say? What will they think? And for me, it's a really big battle with my anxiety about growing up this fear of rejection that has really just kind of followed me my whole life and I'm starting to only explore now in therapy and trying to wrap my head around how to stop being so self-limiting because I see so much opportunity with this. And it sounds like you see a lot of opportunity with what you're doing, but you could also at any given moment, at least for me, feel like I'm almost paralyzed by that fear of rejection and what people will think or how they'll respond to what I'm doing. And you have to realize that not everybody's going to like you. I think we're logical women. We know that, but it doesn't change the fact that when people don't like you or disagree with you or have something to say about what you're doing, that you won't take it somewhat personally. You can try, but I think that what we're doing, each of us in our own projects is so personal to us that if somebody does have a negative piece of feedback about it, you're like, this feels like a direct criticism of me.
1: Completely. It is so challenging to separate yourself from who you are and what you do, because so much of who you are goes into what you do. So when I write the intro sometimes to my blog posts and I'm vulnerable and, and those words and those feelings are out there that accompany the recipe, you know, that can feel really scary too, because it's another component that goes with the recipe. It's like a whole package if you will and I do sometimes I feel like I'm in third grade again and I feel like you know oh shit you know I I feel so vulnerable and I if I feel rejected will I be able to handle it and and of course I have to just silence that voice and just push on but it's really challenging to silence that that like piece that's always telling you you can't you shouldn't stop don't do it too dangerous totally
0: I yeah I mean you summarized that so well and and for me it's definitely going back to that childhood feeling right it's this sense of insecurity that is bred from something that we really are just it's so pervasive in our life so we have to kind of pause ask ourselves if what we're feeling is rational and i have to ask myself what's the worst that could happen what happens if somebody doesn't like what i've done what happens if somebody doesn't like a recipe that you've put up or i mean and especially something like that that's so preference-based anyhow right um you're you're relying on people to like what you're doing and to like what you're doing there is this pretty strong correlation to liking your personality in some way or another. I think your blog is really easy to read. It's very personal. It sounds like something that, a conversation you would have with a friend. You know, you're getting some exposure on other sites. It's super cool to see just how you're evolving in your craft and what other people are taking from it as well. I mean, these are people that presumably, you don't know a lot of them either, right? So you're cultivating an audience of people who genuinely are interested in what you're doing and by being interested in what you're doing they're interested in you and sometimes it goes the other way they, they're interested in you like your friends that you're like hey guys I started this blog I started this podcast tell everybody I mean you've been doing this blog for a while I know you had a bit of a hiatus and you came back and that was actually honestly the moment that you came back from um your your brief departure was from social media yeah yeah you posted a photo I think you were holding like a coffee mug and it's, it's just your arms right and you're holding like a, a tea or a coffee mug and you have this very calm but present photo and first of all I think it's important that you know that have that influence and I think that your your warmth and your magnetism is something that really transcends the screen and you bring your personality to the page to your your work and it really shows and it's and it's gripping when you came back did you have to be really intentional about trying to kind of collect that audience or did you was it there and it happened a little organically like what was that process like for you in terms of going from kind of coming back and then getting to where you are now
1: I, I mean the four months that I was away from social media especially from Instagram it, it felt like I was removed from an audience because unless you get comments on blogs which don't happen as much because of social media yeah uh, I definitely felt like I had to start from not from the beginning because th- it was a really welcoming kind of return. People were excited and, and I, I was excited to
0: be I think back. that's great in and of itself, right? Is that like a showcase of like affection for you coming back? People missed that. that
1: was, and I was kind of stunned by that, honestly, because I don't see myself as that. I just saw myself as somebody posting pictures and thoughts and it was just really heartwarming that it resonated with certain people and and like you said not everyone will like you people will follow you for whatever reasons and unfollow you for other reasons but I think the the essence is to just stay super true to yourself and and just continue to post things that would Address your audience's needs, but also your own, because at the end of the day, I do this for my audience, but also for me, because a certain creative piece has to be completed in order for me to feel good about it and to want to keep doing it trying to put your
0: energy somewhere else, I think is super important. And Holly has been saying to me, um, you know, before I record my episodes, because I'm very kind of fly by the seat of my pants in a lot of ways, but not with this, like, this is the most organized area of my life and being super intentional about it. And it's really powerful to think about how that translates to somebody else. So like you do it for yourself because you're, you're in, inclined to follow that creative path but like you want to set yourself up to also succeed for your audience. And um I sort of wrapped that thought around what I was originally going to say, which was I went into my office last night and organized my desk. It had it was it had a week's worth of day job chaos happening on it. And so it's like I have three beverages, I have like papers scattered yeah. everywhere, posted some reminders, whatever's going on. And Holly's said multiple times like go get it ready. So then like when you go down there, it's just all set up. You don't have to think about it. And so I was so meticulous about it. I was like, okay, this is, they got a new set of headphones. They're going to sit on the stand. I need to put this here, that there. And it was just like, you get yourself into a zone and it feels calm and it feels like it's right for you. And I feel like if it's right for you, then it'll be right for the people that want to follow you.
1: Absolutely, you bring up such a good point and, and I can translate it for in cooking but also with taking a photograph because if I could show my audience what it really looks like and usually the chaos that is all around right, <laughs> a actual shoot and how ridiculous it can all be in order for me to get a really calming shot but I try to focus when I zoom through that lens and I just focus on that piece of food or, you know, the, however it's set up, it brings clarity. And I want to share that moment with my audience, as well as, you know, the messy parts, because you don't want to make it perfect. But it, it's that initial feeling that I want to impart, like, take a breath, eat good food. It's yeah. okay.
0: 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's what's super cool about the way technology works now. We're all super isolated at this moment. I mean, there's no, there are very few people, let's put it this way, who aren't separating themselves right now. And One of the things that I think is a really unique opportunity for people like ourselves in this situation is to continue to grow these audiences and help them understand that we are still connected despite what is a very physical isolation. And it's part of why I've wanted to record more now is because I want people to not feel alone or scared. It's especially important to put content out there that people can feel like they're part of and not just that they're consuming it as an external audience. I want it to feel integrated into their life, too.
1: Exactly. Where they can say, you know what, I feel that way, too. Or I can I can sort of step into their feelings around this. And it makes sense for me. Yeah.
0: Honestly, I think that's how we get through this. I think that's a human connection to me right now is the only way that all of this is going to land in any sort of way that we want it to.
1: Can I tell you just, I don't want to like go off on a tangent, but th- I go was thinking it. about that last night in, in, and- I feel so much more connected to people and I've never wanted to reach out to people more, check in on my, you know, friends, the people I love more. And it sort of feels like, I hope when this is over, it's not like a drunk call (laughs) when you're just really expressing your emotions and then you feel really awkward the next day. Yes, oh my God, 100%. We're all like so loving right now. We're like, I love you. I'm there for you. I'm so supportive. Like, I hope we can continue this and not be like, well, that was awkward.
0: You're right. There's a real opportunity here to capitalize on that feeling because it is visceral even just when we were having some technological difficulties trying to get this thing started and we finally were like oh my god i see your face i I hear your voice oh my god hi hi it's so good to actually (laughs) see you and like feel your your energy i think making sure that we continue to project that and we try to make sure that people understand that the feelings that you're having right now are normal and what can we do in our capacity to help you like you can offer support through recipes that might might be helpful to calm you or soothe you in some way or adding your own personal stories like you were saying to your blog to explain, you know, your experience with this. And it's the same thing for me. I mean, I'm just going to be recording a ton of episodes and trying to help people understand each other. And just because there's a really big umbrella topic at large right now doesn't mean that these other topics don't matter. And I don't want those things to just be overshadowed by what's happening right now, because the rest of the problems we face, the rest of the you know, creative opportunities we have, whatever it is that the topic is um, of the discussion, it's important for us to keep those dots connected because when all of this, you know, kind of smoke clears for lack of better term with the coronavirus, it's going to be so critical for us to continue to lean on each other, like you said, and not let that force us apart the thing that's really been kind of miraculous to me is that even my very introverted friends are like, I need to be around people. Like I can't handle it. And I said to one of my friends the other day, this really is a statement on how human connection is a driving force for everybody, even those who really think it's not.
1: Completely. I feel like I am also an introvert and I really enjoy a lot of alone time to create, to be. But I've never wanted to just exchange ideas or just be around humans. It's just, we are wired for this. We need human interaction, connection, touch. We feed off each other's energies. And so this is definitely something, it's uncharted territory. It's a really difficult way. To like, I can't really process it and I haven't processed it yet fully. And I hope we don't have to. Right. And
0: I don't, and honestly, I don't know that anybody can be in the mental state to process it fully right now because I mean, A, there's just so many unknowns, but B, it's also, like you said, it's uncharted territory. This is something that has not been experienced in our lifetime, our parents' lifetime. One of the things that's really important for us to consider is how lucky we are that we have the technology in place today to remain connected through something like this because it could have happened 20 years ago. It could have happened 50 years ago and it didn't. And it's happening now and it's allowing people to remain connected in a time where we're explicitly being told not to in a physical way. So if we didn't have these digital touch points, what would that have meant? I mean, it would have been, I think, a lot more turbulent than even what we're experiencing right now. Because trying to get any information at all, let alone stay in touch with people. I mean, think about if like I live 3000 miles away from most of my friends and family on the East Coast. So like how on earth would would I feel? I'd feel so much more unsettled. I would have no idea if anybody was healthy. You know, like instead I can FaceTime my sister and see my niece and my newborn nephew and just feel so much joy and enlightenment coming from that. And it really changes your perspective on what is an utterly shitty situation. Um, and I think we have to capitalize on that and focus on that in a way that allows us to retain that feeling when this does subside, as you said.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the hardest, hardest part to just not have an answer for everything and just have it be ambiguous, have it be okay without It being okay. Because our mind or our brain is always like, no, need a final solution, need to make sense, either good or bad, good or bad. So we need something to fall in either of those categories for us to feel at ease. So it's it's really funny living with uncertainty. And and you know, to bring it back to your point, having just one person that acknowledges what I do or say that they find benefit in it is enough for me having just that one if i can help one person and one person finds some sort of you know answer their questions and what I do, then I feel like I've done my job.
0: I very much feel the same way. You know, this is a catharsis for me talking to people about who they are and finding a way to connect with people, even if things aren't similar. You know, my goal isn't to have conversations that are polarizing with the intention of getting people pissed off or taking a stance that people don't like. I want to understand where people are coming from. And I want to know what it is that people seek from me as well, because, I mean, there's So much gravity in listening to your readers or to your listeners and understanding what it is that resonates with them and what it is that doesn't. So then you can continue to evolve.
1: I think the hardest part is just being really comfortable where you are and being giving yourself grace and and being okay with just going day by day and appreciating the art that you're creating in whatever capacity yeah, and
0: you, like you just totally made a really good point which is that creative process is what the value add is so now that your blog is growing a following and you're getting some more publicity on other sites are you mostly interested in continuing to grow your blog or do you have other ambitions for where comments might take you
1: so Definitely continuing to grow the blog. That blog is my passion for sure. But I have been dabbling in some videos. So that's really enjoyable for me, kind of coupling music and images together and bringing them to life. Um, Again, very cliche, but as a food blogger, I do want to ultimately work on a cookbook. Um, I do find holding an actual book to be really valuable. And there's just something timeless about it. Yeah, I love that. And it's also, you know, that tactile experience goes
0: hand in hand with cooking, uh, right? Like so, you've got the ingredients and you've got the book. And I actually think one of the things that's really fun about cooking and that whole physical experience is that when you're cooking and you maybe get something on the cookbook, like a splash of sauce or something, right? And cookbooks are some things that get handed down generation to generation. And it sort of feels like transcendent um, of your generations (laughs) prior and it's super cool because there's like a connectivity like food can bring you together now and food brings us together with our
1: past as well and that's why I am unapologetic when I get you know anything on my cookbooks because it makes them better and I love when the pages get a little worn it's just yeah I love that
0: yeah exactly having been at this for three years you said what's been your most valuable learning on your calm journey thus far wow okay It's a loaded question.
1: Yeah, it has been, I have had to unlearn a lot about myself. I've had to be patient with myself, kind of fight a lot of demons. Um, Again, before I started this, I was almost off of social media entirely. So now I'm very visible and I put myself out there quite frequently and I try to let people sort of see who I am in, um, uh, not necessarily all of it because I want everything to be sort of calming so they don't get to see like my dirty laundry and, you know, things like that. But it really has been a process to learn how to take care of myself and grow and do this simultaneously. It's taken a lot of discipline. You know, I work late at night. I work first thing in the morning. I work whenever I possibly can because I love it so much that I really put everything I have into it. So learning to navigate that part, and there have been a lot of sacrifices. I don't watch a lot of Netflix. I want to, but I can't watch a lot of you know thing. I don't watch TV. I don't. I can't read books the way. I mean, I still try to, but not nearly like I used to because. I've had to realize this is what I love. This is what I want to do. And I can't have it all. So I have to focus on the thing that I can't and want to do. So it's really been a journey and it's continuing to be a journey and it shifts and changes. It often isn't what the end result is, but it's what you're going
0: through as you're experiencing it. And what you described too, that need to prioritize things differently right like it's saturday for both of us and there is part of me that would have loved to have slept in until like noon because i'm exhausted and the other part of me that is like i will get my ass up and i will get this done because i really care about this and put this at the forefront of it and say okay i'm gonna have to spend x amount of time doing these things instead of scrolling through whatever on my phone instead of doing any myriad of things that we could do otherwise but also making sure that you still find that balance with aside from our day jobs, because it's like, we still have to pay bills. But uh, so yeah. it's like, yeah. like, that's, oh, yeah. that's the worst part is like, you know, the, the job that you're getting the big bucks for is not the thing that's facilitating the rest fulfilling of your life. You. Yeah, we're fulfilling you for yeah. like, so these are the two big things, right? Like, nail on the head, I'm gonna let you talk about fulfillment, because I think you were gonna go somewhere with that.
1: Oh my god! I struggle with this a lot because I feel like I'm I'm living this dual life. You know, it's this. I call myself a food blogger because I do essentially. It's not even just a food blogger. It can be that that term is so common and commonly used. And it sort of of,
0: devalues what you actually do. I mean,
1: it's more like I want what I do on a day to day basis with my food and my pictures and my what I write about and what I deeply care about is is (laughs) indirect. Kind of conflict with with my work, which does not fulfill me. I mean, it it pays the bills, but it does not. It's not fulfilling, and this is what I want to be doing with my life. So that's why I continue to work toward it. And even if it never comes to fruition, I have it, and it's my creative outlet. You know, it, it's I'm learning, and that is really I'm learning about myself, and that is fulfillment to me. It's that for years. I always questioned what do I want to do with my life? I felt unfulfilled, but I suddenly found fulfillment. And it's not it's not always pretty. It can be a frustrating and upsetting, but I've come home in myself when I'm doing this.
0: I god, I love that. I literally love everything that you just said because I couldn't relate more to it. I I started going to therapy again when I was feeling extremely unfulfilled in my work situation. And I've since switched some of that, but it doesn't change the fact that the day job is the day job for me. While I can enjoy... The nature of what I do in that capacity. And I have a really great boss and a really great team. It's not something that, you know, kicks my pants and gets me out of bed and says, like, this is what you're meant to do and lights your soul on fire. And I remember when I lost my job right before I got my current position and we moved out to Seattle, I just felt like, what? Like, what is the point? Like, what is it that I'm supposed to do? Am I compromising everything about who I am for the sake of just trying to fit into something? And at the same time, we have to be realistic, right? We have families, we have lives, we need health insurance, we need care, and and we need to be able to afford... Our passion projects, these things aren't free, and these things require both monetary and mental resources and physical resources. And those things can all be limited by our life circumstance. So I think it's a really beautiful thing to address that you need your own fulfillment. And especially when you are in a relationship, because like, it's something that you have for you without that space to create. I'm not the person I want to be, which means I'm not the person that that person wants to be with. And if I start to lose sight of me, that's no good for anybody. So like, I think it's really amazing that you've gone on this journey and really found yourself so much in it, because I can, I can relate to that. And I think a lot of people can. And I would say, arguably like if you don't have that and you're listening to this like what is it that lights you up what is going to change the way you feel when you wake up every day whether that's the thing that pays you or that's just something that you do for yourself
1: you know on that piece I just want to if you don't mind you know I was thinking about the creativity bit you know in also on a flip side you know having my work be my work my day job, which is fine. You know, I don't have complaints with it. I mean, I sure I would love to do this full time, but also because this is my passion project and it's my creativity, it's not necessarily tied to resources. So I don't look at it as like, I need this in order to live. So I can put a creative energy into it that's not tied to must or have to or should do I think it really is it's okay where we both are at this point in time sure it would be nice but I do feel like in a way this is really a good thing even though it can seem overwhelming and exhausting for both of us because you're basically having two jobs but it is it's fulfilling this this creative side that can't be filled by anything else in my opinion
0: yeah i a hundred percent i actually spent so much time feeling like i didn't know what i wanted to do with my life and that was the whole reason i even started the blog like who the fuck am i like you said you felt like you came home to yourself for me like I left Pennsylvania. I spent so much time of my life on the East Coast. I never felt like I fit in. I couldn't figure out, you know, what is it? Is it where I am? I mean, part of it, I think, was where I was. I think the West Coast is a much more suitable vibe for me. Being able to feel comfortable in my physical body and my location also gave me more comfort and freedom to feel like I could create because I felt more like my whole self. Because
1: environment plays such a huge role.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, it can really feed that creative side, as you said, and let you be your authentic self, it's sort of like an invitation to just let yourself be who you are when you're in that space. And that's really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like this has been a such a such a valuable conversation and you've given me so many things to think about. It's almost like I just had a, my, my second therapy session this week, um, <laughs> which, I, which I adore. I think that these are the conversations that I'm so inspired to have because it's the most real that it could possibly be. I kind of wanted to round out with one more question and ask you, because of how you started your journey, what would you say is the most important thing that you could tell somebody who's struggling with depression or anxiety who may be afraid to acknowledge it or afraid to take action to begin healing
1: honestly first just relax your shoulders take a deep breath and just let yourself be who you are and stop apologizing for who you are exactly how you are i feel like it's only in the moments where we can just be ourselves which is a lot easier said than done that we can start reaching out and just saying i'm flawed i'm human but i need help i need help and seeing and and also understanding that we are all really messed up in 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 ways you know real
0: talk (laughs) everybody has their shit
1: everybody has their shit and i think it's really just getting to that point where you're just like okay, I am just as messed up as everyone else. Let's see what we can do about it. And then I think it's that, you know, it's getting to that point. It, it's almost like it was with my physical where I'm like, there's something wrong. I need to do something about it. And I think it's because you can't keep going the same way and expect the results to be different if you're just doing the exact same thing. You know, that's a definition of insanity. So I think really the, a great starting point is just to say, I need help. There's, I need help. And then doors can open up. Yeah, absolutely. That is
0: such a powerful statement. We are so afraid to ask for help because we're afraid of how people will receive it. And one of the things that has been really powerful for me to learn in my own process, both creatively and just personally is, and frankly, professionally as well, is that you can get what you don't ask for. And if you expect people to anticipate your needs and you rely on that for your own happiness, then you're going to have a really hard time finding that fulfillment and find finding that joy and that comfort and that calm. And so I think that there's a lot of value in making sure that you can trust somebody. It doesn't have to be a lot of people. It can be one person. It can be somebody that you're super close with. It can be a therapist. But just taking that step and making sure that you're ready to have those conversations is not something that a lot of people can do easily you have to kind of prep yourself and and admit that that's the path you're going to go down which can be daunting but there's so much power in it when you finally commit to that however you decide to ask for help or to create boundaries for yourself to make sure that you're getting what you need out of your life because at the end of the day it is your life and we all really need to recognize that we aren't living this for somebody else. And if you have good intentions, um, then we all deserve the happiness that can be found in this world.
1: Absolutely. I think it's just really understanding that it's okay for you to take your place in the world and you are no less important than anyone else. And, And just because you don't feel okay does not mean that you are fundamentally as a human not okay you're just not seeing that
0: yeah i mean that's just so real i mean, it's it's so real and you mm-hmm have emulated that so perfectly in this episode, Dana. I am so, so glad that you have spoken to me about your journey, that you have shared so much about yourself and about your passion for your community and the work that you do. And I'm super appreciative that you took the time out of your day and gave me so much of your authenticity and your realness in this conversation. Thank you. Well, gang, that's all for this episode of the Who the Fuck podcast. Thanks for listening and a big thank you to Daniela from Calm Eats for sharing her story and her time. Check out her blog at calmeats.com for some amazing gluten and dairy-free recipes. Also, remember to visit whothefck.com slash donate to support Feeding America and help provide meals for those in need. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform, and if you like what you hear, share some love by rating the show. Until next time...